Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Hello, Steve. <laughs> it How sounds you? like you have an apology today. <laughs> are you no good? Apologies. Are you good? Just, no apologies. Just wanted okay. to uh, take a calm approach. That's good. And that's good. I think that that there's a a need for some deep breaths and contemplation before speaking. So, okay, I'm going to think before speaking today. That's, oh, that's good. I mean, great, it's, that's it? a nice change. That's, that's all I could do. Yesterday, yesterday was great. Good. I love yesterday. yesterday. Was good. It was good. I, I watched it back and uh, I, I, it made me giggle. It really did. That opening where you apologize and then all of a sudden it became my fault and, and me owning the fact and, and making it own it was my fault. I liked it. Yes. It, it, it made me giggle. But then there was, <laughs> but the, but uh, there was also some uh, real interesting things we, we spoke about. And I actually took a snippet of yesterday's um show and then put it on LinkedIn. And it was the aspect where we talked about collisions. You know, how do we recreate those collisions that take place in the office? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do we recreate those in a virtual world, you know, given that we're likely to be in this situation for a little while and organizations and teams want to be innovative, they want to be productive, but they want to be connected to each other, right? So uh, I posted it, I say late last night, it was 8pm, which is which is late for me. <laughs> um, your time. I just let my time and uh, yeah, I got some, some responses and a lot of people have sort of contributed to the conversation. So Great. no, it's good. And, and, and there's not that many people who have answers, but at least it started a conversation and uh, that's how innovation happens. That's how new products get developed. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we should be thinking about. Um, there was one product uh, suggested. I haven't looked at it, so I don't want to say the name just yet. So I, I just want to, Give it, give it my review before I, I start promoting something that I haven't seen as yet. But it is a, it's a real conversation. Um, a lot of people are are, are uh, chiming in, so so it's good. It's good to start that. So yeah, yesterday's show was was good, man. And uh, I encourage anyone listening if you have ideas or suggestions about uh, ways to communicate and ways for teams to be connected randomly within organizations, then uh, let's let's hear. Put it in the comments below. You were being productive yesterday and thinking about strategies around <laughs> the here and now, and I continue uh, to struggle because I'm always looking ahead. I'm always wondering impatiently what the next thing is. How do we get back to the workplace? How do we mentally prepare, psychologically prepare? And yeah. that's where I am drawn to all my attention. It seems like and I'm getting a lot more information. Today's Workplace Innovator interactive live stream is going to be a good one because we're going to talk about this K Sargent of HOK and they've written a number of articles around what the post COVID-19 or the, or the workplace return re-entry seems to be the, the terminology that everybody's using re-entering the workplace. And there's a lot of strategy related to that. There's a lot of psychology related to that. I'm, I'm anxious to ask Kay about the human side. Cause I, I don't see that written up as much in these articles, whether it's, IFMA or Cornet or other organizations putting out information, I haven't, haven't found a comprehensive view of, of that, that psychological, emotional safety that's going to be required for each of us. And, and I, I, I expressed this yesterday pretty well, I think, better than I did Monday. Monday was, was a, uh, a, a you know, disaster as far as my, my, my squirrel. I, you know, I was looking, I kept seeing a squirrel. I kept looking elsewhere for other information, but, but when I stay focused and it's just where I feel I can do my best to serve this community and bring in the experts who know about the protocols and the procedures and 
and those plans. And there's some great stuff being shared. Have you seen any of the materials out there being shared? Other organizations that are publicly putting out their return to work policies or strategies? Have you seen any of those documents floating around? So I haven't seen uh, any company publish anything about their internal working documents. I haven't seen anything like that, uh, which is understandable because, you know, they they typically don't. Um, I've seen something Cushman and Wakefield have put together. They've put together a very elaborate playbook. Um, I've yet to go through it. I think it's 30 something pages, but it goes through all concepts of, you know, building facilities, um, real estate, workplace consulting, and consulting, I'm meaning that um, how do you navigate through a workplace, right? So it's their perspective and their different services that they're offering, but they go through it in a great detail. A lot of information is in there. Um, yeah. And, but I really haven't, I haven't seen too much else. And that's not to say that other things aren't there. I know there's a lot of webinars on this topic that's circulating at the moment and trying to keep up with all the webinars that has gone on is, yeah, is, is such a challenge when it's such a challenge. I tried to watch one yesterday and I just started fast forwarding uh, through and, and I, believe me, I'm the one who puts these things on and you are too <coughs> many times. Uh, we're yeah. the ones present, presenting the content and we think we're so, so thoughtful and brilliant, but I tell you, it, it's so such an information overload. Remember the police? Too much information running through my brain. Too much information driving me insane. That's where I was Monday and you know, Tuesday. I think I, got, you beat me to the punch, man. That's exactly yeah. what I was about to tell you, man. That's exactly what I was about to tell you. But, but what album that, was did that you, from? Do you remember that album? I have no idea. I have no idea. I want to say that was uh, Ghost in the Machine. I want to yeah. say before Synchronicity. But anyway, anyway they're your anyway, boys. I, they're your boys from uh, the UK. They're, yeah, no, uh, they are. They Sting are. and the boys are from. Uh, they are. They certainly are. Um, and I did see them in Madison Square Gardens a few years ago. It's the only time I've seen them live. But uh, but yeah, fun, fun. They're fun, fun group, fun group. Let's just talk about music now, Steve, because this whole wow, uh, workplace reentry and strategy, <laughs> it just it just overwhelms me at times. But but no, the, the, the thing I saw and just just to kind of close that loop, um, there was somebody shared on Workplace Evolutionaries uh, chat room. A, a, a game plan. I'm not sure where it was from. And then I saw some internal stuff. So I don't want to say I saw some internal documentation going around where they were pulling from other companies and they had actually shared their playbooks as well. And they're brand names that I know. I'm not sure if they were given to us internally or they were out there and my, my leadership found them. But, but I'm looking forward to seeing that communication take place because I'm all about people need communication. People need to hear the vision. They need to hear the reasons for doing what we're doing. So this, this struggle we're having in our society broadly, the, the, the polarization that's going to take place, and, and it's just inevitable because people get a little bit of information here, a little bit of information there, a headline from one news network here, a headline from another there, and then they take their internal fears and anxieties and biases, and they just wrap it all up in this little bit of information and then fill in the blanks with all the the worst case scenario, negative motivations, negative thinking, and then we get ourselves into trouble. We start arguing and and nothing gets done. So I I know this is going to be a challenge for corporate leaders, for workplace leaders. And, and I want to see those, that effort being made to really, really communicate. Here's what we um, have in mind. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. We're reopening based on these guidelines, these, these data. And I, and I hope we'll see that. No, I think within organizations, you're going to see that, right? I think employees will feel that their organizations have control, have their arms around it. There is a plan. There is a process. Every organization, I'm, I'm sure, is looking at how do we do that, right? How do we make our employees feel safe? How do they walk and operate within a workplace environment? Because we said each day, right, they're, 
there is a need for some employees who really want to go back to the office. So how do you allow them and enable them to do that uh, safely? So there's, there, there is, and I think there is things like that, but what actually gets me, so we think about, yes, there is the tactical situation yep. we're going through right now, but then what is the long-term strategy? That's the bit that gets my juices going, right? That's the bit that I sort of wake up and I sit and I ponder and I think through, you know, is, is I think about what I need to do to execute certain leases around the world when I'm not going to get on an airplane. Um, and so then how do I, how do I actually see the space? How do I feel a new space, right? What's going to motivate me to uproot and sort of provide information to senior leadership that actually the building we're in may not be ideal, but this other building is, how do I get to a position to enable me to do things like that? You know? And I think that's where information, you know, digital twins of actual buildings of floor plans, immersive media. So is there a way that I can actually physically see, walk through and experience a building to allow me to do some of those things? So that's sort of things that have gone through my head. Um, and as I think about, okay, what does the future look like? Who will be the first landlord to actually provide this solution that will enable me to see a building the other side of the world? I can put this on. I can experience it. I can see their infrastructure. I can know what an employee is going to feel whenever they walk through because most of the time when we're evaluating uh, offices, yes, we do our analysis on you know commute studies. We look at our analysis on security protocols around the building, within the building. But then we walk into that space. What does it feel like? How high are the ceilings? What's the view out the window? How much light exposure do we get? How do we take all those things into consideration? And, you know, it really is, this is where an opportunity, I think, for innovation really to take place to allow uh, people who do procure real estate for their organizations to really take advantage of some of those ideas. Um, that goes through my head. And another question that goes through my head um, is the universal workplace, right? So it's how do we provide a workplace for everybody those people who need touch well if they can't touch anymore how do we allow them to navigate through a workplace um, and how do we ensure that takes place this is another deep thought that goes through my head each day yeah, and, and you got me thinking because i've been to so many conferences as you have over these past few years where a lot of the really cool innovations and technologies and tools are on display and we see these these startup companies with a, an app or a, or a, some type of a integrated tool that can, can be used to do the things you just described. But I always had a concern back then that there were a lot of, a lot of solutions looking for a problem to solve. So I always worried that there was this huge, you know, growth in CRE tech or, or prop tech, whatever you want to call it. And, and I would go to these conferences. I'm like, that's really cool. That's a cool little gizmo, or that's a cool little, you know, 3D view of the of the space, but at this point, you know, who's going to really invest in that? But I think you're you're telling me it sounds like you as a as a practitioner are going to see some of those tools really come into into a, a real valuable place because you know a month ago, two months ago, before the pandemic, you maybe didn't need those tools, but now in this new uh, work from home physical distance, uh, touch-free, all these types of uh, factors are now top priority where they weren't mm -hmm. just a couple months ago. So that's interesting yeah. to see which ones will play out. Do you have any, uh, you know, any brands, uh, but, but um, you mentioned the, the digital twins and the, and the, and the, some of those 3d views uh, to really help you make decisions as if you're physically there. I think this, this may push a lot of those types of uh, 
companies forward pretty quickly. No, I, I think so. And I think it's going to be the landlord. The landlord probably will be the one who takes the responsibility for it. I think there'll be also um, brokerage firms who encourage and bring and introduce companies to landlords to allow them to do um, that type of work because that's what the broker's clients need to see and want to see. So, yeah. Um, and I think it's just an opportunity. If you think of a new building coming out of the ground right now, how do you, how do you entice a organization to leave where they're currently at and, and go to this new building if the people who are decision makers aren't able to actually physically to go and see the building or won't, are not prepared to get onto a, on an airplane today um, to actually see your building. So I think it's just a, it's, it's a real opportunity for innovation. Um, and I'm sure there are lots of organizations looking at this. I know they do, some organizations do provide video, Skype calls, views, walkthroughs, but if you think about the housing market, and what Zillow and that has done through 360 views um, of a home, you know, while they yeah. give you a sense of what's there, you don't really feel what's there. But then with the development of this immersive technology, where actually you do feel it's, it's is a 360 visual, um, can you then give that person or a, a company a, a real idea of what's of what's there? So. Yeah. So although I am in the tactical weeds of stuff, there is the other side that I'm, I am looking ahead, you know, how do, yeah. how do we, how do we, how do we solve these, these types of problems? Well, I know you can't share too much about the tactical weeds, but I am curious yeah. to know broadly some of the, the thoughts going on. Uh, are you doing surveys? Are you trying to get a handle on through surveys or through uh, some other communication internally, as far as who's going to need space? Maybe that did who's not going to need space because it's going to continue to work, continue to work from home and then begin there and then see the, the, the ramifications of that. I, I, you, do you think, and also there's a, the, the ramifications around physical distancing and in this new normal, the new return to the office and, and have you been talking through those strategies of or changes that maybe have to be made at different offices, different, we talked about yesterday, culture is such a big part of this mm -hmm, different mm -hmm. cultures, different geographic regions, different, hot spots what's going on in new york may not be applicable to some other parts of the country or the world when it comes to the the level of of fear or the need for creating comfort through through space and through other other techniques um a lot of questions all wrapped up in one but are those the kind of conversations you're having on a regular basis these days no absolutely so we're absolutely thinking about okay how do we if we wanted to create a safe environment, what does it look like? What does the floor plan look like? If we have using a hundred seats, you know, how many seats can we allow people to sit in so that that physical distancing is able to be maintained, you know, evaluating each conference room is, do we put a limit on it? How do we come up with those decisions, right? Is there a one direction that we put into a floor plan? So everyone walks in one direction. Do we, how do we manage uh, pantries, kitchen areas, right? Is there a number of people we allow in because of the size of it? Is How do we access bathrooms? Do we put boundaries on where people can go depending on which side of the floor you're sitting on? And as you can imagine, each floor plan, each building is completely different. There are bathrooms within our demise. There are bathrooms that we share with other tenants in some of our smaller locations. So what are the protocols? Elevators, what are the protocols for that? That takes a lot of coordination with landlords and individual landlords. And within New York City, you know, four different landlords, how do you how do you manage that if each have different standards? Mm -hmm. Now, whenever you collect all this information, then you have to disseminate it to the employees. How do you communicate this to employees? How do they feel that 
you know, they will be safe um, right. in that environment. And how do you educate them on these are the protocols, these are the policies, and this is the procedures. Um, if you wish to go into the office, then this is what is, what's a play. Um, absolutely, none of it's been agreed, obviously. This is, these are just yeah. things that we're talking about. But in essence, you have to put together a process and a plan and play to allow you to be successful in doing this. Also, who knows when we'll be allowed to go back into the offices, you know? So it's like True, setting yeah. all those different things up. So we're, we're yeah, absolutely. Those are first. things that have been considered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm debating. I was debating whether to share this, but I, I don't think there's any harm in doing. I so. actually this saw just... your face. I actually yeah. saw your face considering, should I do this? or shouldn't <laughs> I do this? Well, this is my printout of questions that, that we're going to bring up at uh, the live stream today. And, and here you are, if you're halfway through OSW daily live, and you're going to join me at noon Eastern, for Workplace Innovator Interactive Live with K Sargent, then here's a sneak preview of what we're gonna talk about. But I imagine this will be seen later after the fact, so it doesn't really matter. But, but some of the questions, uh, and these are things K helped put together, uh, addressing those specific tactical issues. And, and you don't need to answer if you don't feel comfortable, but uh, for example, is your company looking at reducing the densification of the space at any given time? And if so, how? Will you be continuing the work from home policy? Will you be maybe going to a four day work week while uh, being open all five days so you can spread people out that way? Will you be going to shifts or staggered start times? Um, no, we're just gonna look at other means of physical distancing or no, we already feel we have the right utilization rate to allow for physical distancing. Is that something you have? A oh, absolutely, all great questions. And, yeah. and, absolutely. and then how do you get to that? Is there gonna be an, a decrease or an increase in densification, right? So you're, yeah, so increase, I think, is the right, word, right way to go. Yeah, I was going to say what you right, right. Yeah, 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 reducing yeah, yeah. densification, because we've been densifying, but do we right, need to kind of, right. whatever Step the opposite back. of densify right, is, Right, right, expand. right. So, so yeah, I mean, absolutely, because, I mean, most most offices today are open plan. They're, you know, five and a half feet, six feet desks, sort of back-to-back, -back, sort of, you know, the old tra trading floor type of setup. Yeah. Um, whenever you do do the math, and the measurements, then there only is X amount of people you can put into that. So you may only get a 25, 30% occupancy rate at that sort of setup. Um, so, but in essence, will that allow us to do things initially, allow people to get back to the office? And that's what we're looking at. You know, that's sort of the viewpoint that you take it, but then you go, okay, so what is the longer term plan? And how do you manage that if more people wanted to come back? And you do set up teams, right? You do AB teams you alternate days when people come in or you alternate weeks that people come in, you do deep cleaning in-betweens. Um, there'll be people who want to work from home more long-term. I mean, we've spoken about before, but uh, Kay Lister, who, were, you know, president of Workplace Analytics, you know, she suggests that actually we're gonna go from 4% work from home to 25% work from home. Yeah. So how does that apply? 30, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's gonna be one of these moving targets that it is gonna increase. You know, um, but then the other side of it is, okay, so is it an increase or decrease in intensification? But then also is, you know, will organizations continue to have large buildings in city centers? That's something else that who knows what we do in the future. Yeah, that's the real long term you were alluding to right. at the beginning here, because that's some real strategic decisions. Yeah, I heard I read an article yesterday about uh, Alphabet, you know, Google's parent company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm you know, you're either abandoning or, or uh, moving away from, you know, 8 million square foot of 
square feet of space in the Bay Area. Like the Bay Area, they had been in negotiations for 8 million more square feet of space, and they've actually just put that on hold. Or I didn't read the details of the article, but there was a headline with a subheadline where it sounded pretty clear that they were at this point just putting that on the brakes on that. So the expansion uh, is something that, that is going to be impacted there. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a... It's going to be interesting to see what it does to the markets, what it does to the to the long term strategy, and some of these other, you know, unique ideas you brought up in the last couple of days about hubs and and regional hubs and local hubs for people to work and and have uh, get-togethers. When and then we talk a lot about it in the strategy side. Here's another question. I'll give you another sneak preview of what we're going to ask today. But what, if any, modifications do you envision being made in your current workplace to prepare for reentry? going to enact unassigned seating to provide people with choice, go back to assigned desks, blocking out desks or removing seating as alternate desks to provide spacing between work points, reorienting or shifting desks to provide additional space between work points, installing screening between work points, or none, our space is already well aligned and, and we have the suggested guidelines already thing, taking place. But you, you mentioned a, a couple of those things, but are they all being yeah, considered? Yeah, I, I would... I would say all of the above, probably except the last one. Um, I don't. I don't think there's many organizations or many offices around the world that actually can remain as is. There may be some. There may be. Um, if I think about, you know, a legal office where it's all individual offices, they could probably go in and they're able to maintain certain things, set protocols around printing, use of bathrooms, um, and pantry areas. And I think they're probably fine. But I think there's so many open offices. Um, but the big conundrum is you just don't know how many people are going to go back to the office and yeah. when they're going to go back and what you need to manage for. So, yeah, so all of those things that you mentioned, absolutely, they're, they're all on the table. The one thing I would say is obviously from a cost perspective, it's um, moving furniture is so expensive in New York City and, and other big cities as well. But uh, so that has to be a consideration, too. And it's not that it's it's we wouldn't an organization wouldn't make a decision on, okay, we won't do this because of the cost factor, but in essence, it would have to be a, I think a strategic thing you would do because of the cost factor. So for example, it's it's to move a desk, break it down and move it around. It's actually almost as cheap to buy brand new and have it all installed. It's the same cost pretty much. So if you were going to go to a different desk setup, then you may want to make that decision rather than just relocating or reconfiguring or doing certain things. But going back to your, your wow. previous point on yeah. um, where I was mentioning on the different areas and that's i mean it, this is a an idea that came up in one of the conversations i had with andrew segal i'm going to be um posting tomorrow um he came up with the idea and he he mentioned during the video four areas of of real concern uh four cities so well, what does the real estate look like san francisco was one area um that he gave it for the, exactly that reason right you've got a very dense downtown area where everyone is really close together everyone commutes into that the other areas he mentioned were Boston, New York City, and then the inner loop in Chicago. They're the ones where, you know, people live outside and they commute in. Well, will those be the specific locations that actually people will reevaluate? Because a lot of other cities in the U.S., people drive a drive-in, so they're not really as reliant, although there are some, some reliance on public transport. So it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how that how that evolves. You're kind of nodding and shaking your head. Or, yeah, well, that's something about DC. I live in the DC metro, and mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of thing. It's like there's a percentage of the workforce that relies on public right. transportation, but not yeah. everybody. It's not. There's a, there's a lot of traffic around here. I, I think of LA too. I'm not sure what their situation. Everything's so spread out. 
DC, mm-hmm. Virginia, and and Maryland. It, it, it's all considered even West Virginia. Some some consider the the far DC suburbs because people commute in from those places, and there's a lot of traffic and and a lot of yeah. uh, individual decision making going on. But but it's funny that all these decisions, when it comes to strategy or it comes to real estate or how much space, how much space we need, and then how what what we need to do with that space, it's driven by the, the great unknown at this point. How many people will will want to come back, and how many people will be willing to come back? And I'm reminded of the conversation I did have a chance to watch with your sports uh, expert Ken. Ken. Yeah. Fantastic, because some of the things he talked about about human beings being uh, resilient, you know, that it, and I, I I totally agree with this. Whatever it is, you know, he he gave the analogy or the metaphor. I never know which which it is, but the idea that when you work out, your your muscles are are in pain, and then mm-hmm. you do it again, and it hasn't hurt as much, and then and then the more you do it, it just becomes a new normal. That's going to be the case probably here as you're trying to figure out people will come in. They're really going to be hesitant to come in, worried, fearful. What's it going to be like? The new normal, the new protocols. Will I feel safe? And then I think there's going to be this very quick adaption. You know, adaptation is the right word. Of this, this was fine. It was like me going to Home Depot. You go into the grocery store. The first time is hard. The second time less so. And then the third time you're not even worried about it anymore. It just it just becomes the new expectation and norm, normal. And uh, let's just just let's move ahead. So you're going to see maybe a, a, a slow trickle back to the workplace. And then people will be like, been there, done that, you know, and more and more it'll grow. Like, do, you, do you sense yeah. that's going to be the pattern? No, I, I suspect so. But, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, as a reminded man mentioned to you before, Andrew Mawson, who obviously is a good friend of both of ours. Yeah. Um, I did a video with him October. And we talked about how for humans, change is so hard and we're so resistant to change. And if you had to take the, you know, most organizations are what, 95, 98%, maybe even 100% of their employees are now working remotely. For you to take that and do that, um, you know, the thought of that two months ago was just inconceivable. But actually what's going to happen the longer this goes on is we're going to be used to being at home and it's going to be a change management process to get people from home to the office there are people who Mm -hmm. resist it there will be people that don't want to do it for whatever reason and there'll be organizations that will embrace it there'll be organizations that won't embrace it um it's going to be a really interesting thing to see how that evolves and uh you know then turn it back into ken how we mentally adjust to that thing right you know it is all about adaptation right but at at this moment in time people are adapting to their home environment so how do you then readapt them or motivate them or incentivize them or encourage, call it whatever it is you want, if you want them to go back into the office? You know, so it's going to be a fascinating thing to see. I actually have a, a, a chat with, with, with Andrew on, uh, on Friday to talk about some of these things. So he'll be also being introduced oh, as, a, as a weekly interview. So he's a, he's a great guy and has a lot of great ideas. And uh, it'll be really interesting to sort of tap into what he knows and hear his perspective too. So. You keep going, man. You're you're on a roll with your uh, <laughs> weekly interviews, your check-ins with these experts. It's fantastic. I got to catch up on some of the videos you put out. It is, um, there's it's a lot of content, but you know these are the, the, this is happening because these are the people that I talk to just to get information, right? So we share information. So if I wasn't doing the video, I would be chatting to him about and how it relates and what, what I can do with my job at Nasdaq. Right? That's that's where a lot of this stuff comes from, and a lot of these folks, I go. 
why don't we just record this, man? Because I, I guarantee if I'm asking the question, there are other concerns that other people have. So, and that's why we've gone to the, you know, the 10 minute sort of thought of a, of a, an interview because people can sort of get a real deep, narrow focus on one specific thing. So no, and it's great for me. Trust me. I, I learn a lot. I come away with deeper thoughts than I went into the conversation. So it's, it is great. What do you learn from these conversations, Steve? You're doing it with me every day for 30 minutes. I learn, I learn that everything I do or everything you do is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's my key takeaway, lesson. you know, that's my key <laughs> takeaway, you know? No, come on. This is, this is a this is a great way to start the day. It sort of gets the brain going. It, it gets us both showered and clean early in the morning. So that's uh, that's always a good way to start the day. So uh, no, it's yeah. and it's obviously great chatting with you all the time. So absolutely, that's what I get from it. Well, me too. And uh, it, it, the irony of some of the things you described, you know, what, what used to be a change management problem going one direction is going to be a change management problem mm -hmm. in the other direction. But but I heard a great quote from one of my past podcast guests, Ari. Gaskell, another UK-based uh, innovation writer, and he said that, yeah, humans do resist change in the near term. If you're talking about months or weeks or even maybe some years, but but we're really good at change in the long term. In fact, mm -hmm. if you look at the, the broader history, we've changed dramatically and have done a really good job with it, you know, better than any other species. So uh, it was kind of a, one of those paradoxes, right? Both yeah. can be true. And I think in the, that, that near-term resistance is something that we always will face, but once we get into a new, you know, situation, get a new technology in our hand, we become very adapted to it, and and uh, and it just becomes second nature. So I, I think yeah. that's something we have to keep in mind in this COVID nineteen world. Whatever things look like today, will look different a month from now, look different a year from now, and and we'll be okay. I think that's the that's the big takeaway here. We just have to get yeah. through some of these some of these difficult challenges in the near term. For sure, for sure. All right, Mike. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. The time is. I was waiting for a ding, but it didn't. It didn't. Okay. It didn't come up. So uh, off to the races. There we go. Have a good Wednesday. Off to the races. You too, Matt. You too. Good luck today. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks.